This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. You've, you've messed up too many times. You see, if it wasn't true for Israel... And if the Word of God says that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, He will not take it away. He will not back down off of His Word. He will keep His covenants. Then, beloved, that is hope and that's encouragement. Not only for you and I, but it's an encouragement for our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors that we know of that have walked away from the Lord and that we continue to pray for. Join us today as Pastor David teaches about the importance of being God's remnant in a dark world. If you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have been predestined by God to receive Christ. This is a difficult concept to understand in our human minds. You can't understand all the vastness that is God. You have to trust in His goodness and sovereignty. God longs for you to live in the fullness of your faith. You have been grafted into the branch of God's family. Live like you believe it. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 11, verse 7 with our continuing study entitled, Final Answer. Again, this this question comes in. In order to understand verse 7, you'd need to see it in the context of all that we've been studying over the last several weeks. Over in chapter 9, verse 6, Paul declares, For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. You think, okay, this is another head spinner, Paul. Though they are Israel, they're, they're not Israel. Well, what exactly are you saying? Again, as we went over that section, we understand that those who are physical Israel, those who are born of the bloodline of Israel, are not the spiritual Israel, because spiritual Israel still comes by faith in Messiah. They have to recognize the Messiah. They are saved just like you and I. They're not saved through ritual. They're not saved through ceremony. They're not saved through any other sacrifices. Save Jesus Christ. There is no way under heaven whereby man will be saved. Saved through Jesus Christ. And you see, that's the true for Israel, too. So we need to understand that. But along with that, we then also need to understand what he said in chapter 9, verses 30 to 32, where he says to them and about them, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. What he's saying is, now, the Gentiles, they didn't try to do all the righteous stuff. They didn't go through all the ceremony. They didn't go through all the tradition. And yet they obtained righteousness? How does that work? How how does that come about? They obtained the righteousness of faith. But Israel, verse 31 says, pursuing the law of righteousness, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do that in order to be pleasing to God, in order for God to receive you. That's the law of righteousness. They did not obtain to the law of righteousness. In other words, they didn't fit. They, They didn't quite get there. They tried, they strived, but just like everyone, They fell short of the standard of the holiness of God. That's why, he says, why? Because they did not seek it by faith. Israel didn't receive salvation because they did not seek it by faith. They wanted to do it on their own. Just like a multitude of people today that darken the doors of churches all around our nation and all around the world, thinking that they are pleasing God by being actively involved in an organization, 
It may be a good organization. It may be a godly organization. It might even be a Christ-preaching organization. And they think if I can just come and be involved, then God will be pleased with that. And beloved, I'm telling you this morning that that is not true. And my suggestion to you is don't darken another church door until you understand the truth that it's not by ritual, it's not by ceremony, it's not by attendance, it's not by membership, it's not by any other thing than faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ. And that's what he declares back in verse 7 of chapter 11. Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it. They obtained it through faith, not through works. And he goes on there. He says, but the rest, they were blinded. The rest, those who did not see it through faith, were blinded. Verses 8 through 10, he, write, he writes there, Just as it's written, God has given them a spirit of stupor. My version almost said spirit of stupid, but we'll look at that in a moment. Eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. Where he says up there that God has given them a spirit of stupid or stupor. Uh, the, the Greek word there is actually katanoxis, katanoxis, and is the word that we get that idea of that catatonic estate, or state, how, how someone can literally come to a point of absolute, almost a, a coma, completely out of it. And that's what he speaks, that because they did not receive the truth of the gospel, they're, they're in a stupor. They don't know what to do. They don't know what direction to go. And their eyes have been darkened. Well, again, this whole argument, why have their eyes been darkened? What is God doing in the midst of that? Has he done that in order to cast them away? No, he answered that earlier. Now he gives further explanation in verses 11 through 15. In verse 11 he says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? And again, certainly not. That's still God's final answer. I keep my covenants. He remains faithful. He says, but through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. Paul says, you know what, if their setting aside, if their blindness, if their fall brings about a great blessing to you as the Gentiles, because now you're hearing the word, you're coming to faith in Christ, then how much more, what a blessing it's going to be to all of us for every Jew that would come to the knowledge of the fullness of their Messiah, to everyone in Israel who would recognize that, no, Jesus is the true Messiah. You see, they are filled with tradition, they are filled with devoutness, they are filled with many things, but they continue to miss. And what Paul is saying, man, what a blessing it would be for them in the midst of their zeal to be able to have that zeal which is correct and is for the things of God. Paul says, as a matter of fact, I want to continue to grow my ministry. I want to magnify my ministry to the Gentiles. I want to see as many Gentiles, one to the Savior as possible, if by any means 
they might get jealous or they might be provoked to the point of saying, you know what, they speak of having a personal relationship with the God of our fathers. They speak of knowing and hearing from Jehovah God, the one who spoke to Israel, who made us and formed us as a nation. What is it that they have that we don't have? Even today, you can go to Israel, and Israel, by and large, the devout ones, speak of a national relationship with God, not a personal relationship. The Jew, even today, knows nothing of the personal relationship with God that you and I have. And God longs to call them to himself. And he has sent Christ. And what Paul is saying is, as you and I, as believers, live the fullness of our faith as believers, then the Jews will be spurred on to jealousy. They'll want to know, what is it that they have? What is that that's working in them that we have missed, that perhaps they might come to a saving knowledge of the one and true Messiah? Verses 16 through 22, he gives this olive tree illustration to help us understand a little bit better. In verse 16, he says, For if the first fruit, speaking of Israel, is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You'll say then that branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, well said, he said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith, but do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. He says that here is the branch and all that God had designed in purpose. And the olive tree has always been a, an illustration of Israel. And because of their unbelief, God broke branches off of that. But in the breaking away of those branches, he gives place for you and I to be a part of that olive tree, the one where the root, the foundation, is none other than Jesus Christ himself. And you and I are grafted in. And verses 23 to 24 speak about that engrafting. He says, and they also, if they do not continue, if they don't continue in unbelief, well, they'll be grafted back in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? God says, I've taken you, you're a wild tree, you weren't even really part of it here. I've taken you and I've taken your branches and I've grafted them in to the olive tree of the heritage and the promises and the covenant and the plan and the purpose of Almighty God. You are grafted in not by a work of your own might, but by faith and by the grace of God. 
Now, I've got in my backyard a tangelo tree, and through the years I've cursed that tree, and nevertheless it continues to survive. And actually it's, it's thriving at this moment in time. My neighbor, on the other hand, in their front yard has a uh, grapefruit tree, and that grapefruit, when it was taken care of, produced pretty decent grapefruit tree, but they're not taking care of it. Well, uh, if, if I'm able to do it by, by this time, hopefully next year, on my tangelo tree, there is going to be a branch of grapefruit tree on there. I'm going to try and graft in that grapefruit onto my tangelo tree. Though the root and the base and the foundation of my tangelo tree is strong and healthy, hopefully I will be able to produce out of that tangelo tree grapefruit. It's a possible deal. Um, Pastor James, is, he, he grew up in the citrus industry. His, his dad did that, and he said, oh, yeah, we, we would graft in all the time. And uh, this idea and this thought, how is that done? You take one of the regular branches, like, say, from the olive tree or from my tangelo tree. You cut off a good branch, and then you put a slit in that branch. Then you take a branch off of that grapefruit tree, and you cut like a V in it, and you wedge it down into that branch, and then you put some uh, uh, nutrients and different things, and you wrap that up, and you keep that, and eventually it will become one with that tangelo tree. And out of the tangelo tree, then you can get the grapefruit. That's how the Gentiles now are receiving the greatness and the fullness and the benefits of all that God has spoken throughout all of his word. Not out of a rejection of Israel, but because now we've been grafted in. And God is not finished with Israel yet. God still has a purpose, and we cannot forget that. Well, from here, let's move on into Mystery Theater. In verse 25, Mystery Theater. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. In other words, you're going to try and figure this thing out by yourself. Well, let me give you the answer. And Paul gives the answer. He says that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Why did God give them blindness? The answer to the mystery is, is until the fullness of the, of the Gentiles has come. Now, what exactly does that mean, the fullness of the Gentiles? For some, they believe that it is a particular time frame, that the fullness of the Gentiles God is giving you until, you know, 6.30 on May 6th to be able to get your act together, and then it's all other, all over. Others say, no, there is a particular group, there's a particular number that God has foreordained for purpose to be brought into his kingdom. Either way, there is only a time frame, there is only a portion of time that the fullness of the Gentiles is complete. And when that time is complete, I believe that then, according to God's word, God will help the people of Israel to be able to see the truth of their Messiah. Our word declares that in the last times, in the last days, there'll be a great outpouring of God's Spirit on His people Israel, and multitudes of them will come to the Savior. Now, whether that happens before the rapture of the church or right after the rapture, we know that after the rapture, during the time of tribulation, a multitude will come. But I believe that God wants to call even more than that to Himself. I believe that God wants to put a move of his spirit in these people of promise, these people of the covenants, these people, again, of his blessing, even now, even now. 
And we as a people ought to be praying for Israel, even in their rebellious state, even in their sinful and their pagan state. Does everything that Israel do, uh, is it right? No, and we know that. But I also know that every time that the U.S. curses Israel, I believe that, is, that the U.S. suffers at that result. And there's been books, there's been people who have studied that says, man, as, as presidents have turned their back on Israel, calamity has come upon the U.S. I believe that if God's word is true, and it is, we bless Israel, God will bless the United States. And we, whether it be this administration or any future administrations, we need to stand behind Israel, not because they're right, but because it's the right thing to do. Because God has called for us to do it. And we could go a long way into that whole scenario. But again, the fact is God is not finished with them yet. Let me continue on in verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved. Well, what does he mean by all Israel? Remember, in the context of this, he's speaking of those who, in the Spirit, who by faith come to their Messiah. They will be the spiritual Israel, not the national Israel, not the physical Israel, but the spiritual Israel, all that come by faith. They will be saved, as it's written. The deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodly from Jacob and from this is my for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins now concerning the gospel they're enemies for your sake they are against the gospel but concerning the election they are beloved for the sake of the fathers they may be against the gospel right now at this point in time but God, but in God's eyes, they are still His beloved. He is still working and moving on their behalf. And again in verse 29, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Beloved, that particular verse not only is powerful, but it's foundational. If you write in your Bibles, and I encourage you to, circle that verse, underline that verse, draw arrows or stars, whatever you need to do on that verse, because of the importance of that verse, the foundation of that verse, not only speaks to Israel, that God is not finished with Israel yet, but it also speaks to you and I when we fail. It speaks to you and I in our life when we have been stumbled up or when we fall in our faith. And the enemy comes and whispers says, God's done with you. You've, like the other, you've, you've messed up too many times. And you see, if it wasn't true for Israel, and if the word of God says that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, he will not take it away, he will not back down off of his word, he will keep his covenants, then, beloved, that is hope and that's encouragement, not only for you and I, but it's an encouragement for our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors that we know of that have walked away from the Lord and that we continue to pray for. Because if this isn't true, then where is our hope? Our hope is in the work of man? then there is no hope in that. But if our hope is in the power of Almighty God, that His gifts and His callings are irrevocable, then therein we can stand, therein we can have faith, and therein we can hope. Well, let's move on. God keeps His covenants. Do not forget. That is God's final answer, whether it was yours or not. God keeps His covenants. Well, let's move on. Verse 33. Well, actually, verse 30. 
For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. Man, and again, I'm reading what Paul writes, and I'm thinking, man, this is deep, deep waters. This is amazing stuff that God has taken them out in order to bring us in, in order to bring them back. What a glorious thing that is. And I believe literally at writing this, Paul breaks into this time of just absolute worship and praise because suddenly what he begins writing has absolutely nothing to do with what he's written before, but actually it has everything to do with what he's written before because suddenly he starts breaking out, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. I don't understand God. I can't even begin to measure him. The things he does aren't the things that I would do. The things he doesn't do aren't the things that I wouldn't do. Beloved, you and I need to have a God along that line. A God who is way outside the box. If your God is nice and neat and you can fit him within the box and you can put the cover on him, then you've got your manageable deity and you're very comfortable, but you don't have the God of the Word of God. You don't have the God of eternity because the God of eternity does not move within a box. He moves at his own bidding. And he does not deny his word. He does not change his mind. He keeps his covenants to the very end. His word remains true. That's why Paul says, oh, who is known? The mind of the Lord. He repeats what the prophet Isaiah says. And who has been his counselor from Jeremiah and who has first given to him and it shall be repaid from from Job again God is so far beyond anything that, that we can even begin to comprehend what we have within these 66 books and even within our personal relationship with Christ is such a finite portion of the infinite one that we can't even begin to imagine the greatness. And when he moves and he works in a way that, well, I don't understand how he can do that, so I've got to figure it out. Beloved, don't even begin to figure it out. Trust in the unknown. Trust in the unseen. Trust in that that's untangible. Trust in that that you cannot understand. If God's word declares it, take it at its word and stand on that. To the very end of it all, Paul says, oh, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. In essence, you know what Paul says? You know what, guys? It's all about him and it ain't about you. And just because you can't figure it out or just because you're not pleased with it or you disagree with it doesn't change the fact that it's all about him. And the sooner you and I can come to that understanding, the greater peace that we can have. If I want God to be my God of my bidding, I will never be satisfied. But if I will understand that He is God, I am not. If I will understand that He is God, I am His servant to do whatever He desires in my life, to bring into my life whatever He desires, to take away from my life whatever He desires. 
yet will I praise him, as Job declares. Beloved, when we get to that point, you and I can have peace. But until we get to that point, we will never have peace because we will continue trying to take the place of God. As long as you and I try to take the place of God, there will be that battle going on. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence, ever live. Fact is, is have you surrendered all to Jesus? All of this is possible because God's love for His creation was so great that He sent Jesus Christ to die for our sin, that whoever believes on Him would be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. What does it mean to confess with the mouth and believe? Well, Pastor David will answer these questions and more as he teaches through the book of Romans. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to www.theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for worship on Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings, or Wednesday evenings. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Finally, we want to encourage you to follow us on Twitter at The Open Word Radio, or log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link right there on the homepage. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with David Landry. Please join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Romans. That's next time on The Open Word.